Welcome to the Faith is Not Blind podcast. I'm Sarah Devonier, and today I'm here with Missy, and she's going to share a little bit of a different story. We, we've talked about people who choose to leave the church and people who stay and their reasons, and today we're going to talk about um, what it's like sometimes to be raised by a parent who might choose to leave the church, and Missy will share some of her perspective on that. But before we get to that part of it, will you talk about your, your childhood in the church and, and your initial introduction to the church and to testimony in your family? Sure. Um, I was the product of my parents joining the church. Um, they had me because they joined the church. So they called me my church, their church baby. So <laughs> um, when I grew up, um, I was a convert pretty much because we were uh, sealed in the temple when I was a baby. So doesn't that yeah. consider so my... How old were your parents when they um, were baptized? Um, they were baptized in the early 70s. So I don't know how old they were. I'd have to but do the newlyweds, math. But newlyweds, essentially. Um, I was the fourth child. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they were young. I think my dad was in his 40s and my mom in her mid-30s. And so the, when, they, when they got baptized, they felt like we should have a bigger family. Yes. And then there was you. Okay. Absolutely. So yeah. I was born and then my brother was born. So we were the, the uh, proud kids of, of my parents um, because they joined the church. But yeah. um, so when I was eight years old, um, my dad baptized me and then he left the church. So at your baptism, what was your perception of family and the church i mean if you were your your parents church baby that, sure. that must have made you feel like there was value not only in you but in this religion that provided you this earthly experience what what was your perception of the church before your dad left i have a family here on earth they are so good to me i want to share my life with them through all eternity that was how i felt and after my dad left that song took on a totally new meaning for me. So will you describe what that felt like to watch your dad leave? Was it was it pretty gradual or was it sudden? At least what was your perception of him leaving and why he was leaving the church? To me it seemed very sudden. Um, I'm sure that there had been some things happening beforehand. I know that he had, you know, stopped going to church, but that was normal because he was a doctor, and so he would have to miss a lot of Sundays. Um, but I, I, I saw it as very sudden because he baptized me, and then right after, I, I remember my mom asking me one day to go ask him if he was gonna come to church again, and he told me no and I was just devastated as a child. It was a very dramatic thing for our family, extremely dramatic for my mother. Um, I saw her go into a deep, deep depression. Um, things changed overnight. We were taken out of the public schools and my dad had joined another church and we uh, started going to a Christian school. That was when I was in fourth grade. And um, I remember at the school just uh, 
being in this whole new environment and they knew that we were the Mormon kids. And so I remember being taken out of class and asked if I had accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior because if not, I was going to hell. Wow. And so we were told often that we would go to hell if we didn't accept Christ as our savior. And I was just like, I already have, I believe in Jesus. And, and my fourth grade teacher was like, okay, that's, that's good. Well, they never talked to me about it again because they, they genuinely believed that yeah. I had taken Christ as my personal savior. Um, I think it would probably be easy to see this experience in terms of who made good choices and who made bad choices. Um, yes. What was it like in your home yes. at this point? We all saw my mom as the good person and we saw my dad as the bad person. I, I, I really, that's kind of how I felt, that my dad was causing all these problems and my mom was totally depressed and she had the truth and he was trying to ruin that. And I, I had very black and white thinking on that. But you're a young child and um, when you see chaos going on in your home and um, we were following the gospel already and then someone chooses to leave, that's kind of the person that's looked at as the bad guy. I think it's so interesting how you talked about sort of seeing your parents in this binary, which is normal, I think, for a kid. Absolutely. Um, but as you grew older, especially in your adolescence, how did you start to see your dad as more of a person rather than just a bad decision? Yeah, th that's a good question. I could see the love that my father had for my mother and regardless of the differences in a religious opinion, they were willing to make it work and they loved each other. They really did. Um, it, was, it was devastating for both of them because my mom, her whole eternal plan had been frustrated and my dad had a wife who wasn't going to follow him. Um, he kind of saw the church as, as another lover and he was, I don't wanna speak for him, but I, I'm sure there was some jealousy there yeah, yeah. because she would be at church all the time she would go to church regardless of whether he said, I don't want you going to church. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was very, very difficult. But and, yeah, I appreciate so much how you're trying to not impose your perspective on him. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I'm sure it was very difficult for yeah. him because he really truly believed he was doing the right thing. Yeah. His intentions weren't because he wanted to go do something crazy or he wanted to have an affair or you know what I'm saying? Sometimes people say that others leave the church because they have another motive in mind. Right, right. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe there was a motive that I didn't know about. I, I really truly believe it's because he didn't feel that he could be perfect enough, mm. which is a whole nother story. Yeah. 
But it, so his motives were sincere. Absolutely. He wasn't trying to justify Absolutely. any behavior. But his, yeah. So your relationship with your dad, how did you try and develop that despite some of this, this chaos at home so that you could see him and, and get to know him? Yes. My dad was like I said, uh, serious and stern, but he also had a great sense of humor as well. Uh, the older I got, the more he loosened up. Um, we, we had fun. My dad went to Syracuse University in New York. That's where I was from. And uh, he loved the Syracuse basketball team. And I would play church ball and, and he would call me Douglas, um, <laughs> who was one of the players on the Syracuse team. And he'd call my friend Cycli and we would just have fun together uh, watching sports or uh, my dad would make fires at night and uh, I'd be cozy on the couch and he'd be doing his bills and I would, I would just sit and lie on the couch next to him because I wanted to be with him and watch sports and just it, that was our way of yeah. kind of bonding. Let me ask you, as, as your relationship with Heavenly Father grew, did you have any experiences where you could see a, sort of a parallel between the way that you saw your relationship with God and the way that you saw your relationship with your dad? Yeah, um, at first I, I would say that I saw God as this stern, serious God. Um, because that's most of the time how my dad was. He was a wonderful man again, but um, I had a very profound experience uh, with my patriarchal blessing. Um, I'll share this. Uh, it's kind of, it's kind of uh, one of my favorite stories because it's kind of funny. I was called Messy Missy growing up in my home. And my mom would constantly come by my room and say, Missy, remember, cleanliness is next to godliness. And I would just uh, roll my eyes and I would just be like, whatever, mom. You know, I would really hate when she said it. And she did that constantly. Constantly, I was known as the messy kid in the house. I've changed my ways since, but I was that messy kid. When I went to go get my patriarchal blessing, it was, I'd never met the man giving it to me. And there's a part in my blessing that said, remember, uh, be conservative, clean, and tidy. Remember, cleanliness is next to godliness. <laughs> Follow the example of your mother. And you're thinking, this is haunting me. Oh. Did my mom talk to this man? Right. Yeah. She, I was in Logan going to school <laughs> at the time. She, I didn't know this man. I'd never met him. That blessing did two things for me. Number one, I bawled because I knew that God knew me and I needed to feel that in my life at the time. It was, it was, I was just bawling because I'm like, you know me, you really, really know me. The second thing it did for me was help me see that God has a sense of humor. I needed to know that he had a sense of humor. That was very important to me because my dad really, he would laugh at things, but he, he didn't have, we, we didn't have that chummy sense of humor. And I needed to see that I could have a relationship with a God who had a sense of humor. 
my my husband had a sense of humor. I I married him. That was probably on the top of the list um, that he was strong in the gospel and that he had a sense of humor. Yeah. And he was pretty cute too. Yeah. But <laughs> sense of humor was probably second, and yeah. that was really important for me. And so. I was able to translate that into the way I saw God. And it also helped me to see my dad in a different way as well. Yeah. Did you have any experiences when you were praying to Heavenly Father where you felt like your relationship with God influenced that? The way that you could pray to Him and see Him? because of that experience I had? Yeah, or... well, and just your relationship with your dad, especially as a newlywed. Yeah, I, you know, because my dad had been trying so hard to persuade us that the church wasn't true, I was kind of upset with him. I loved him, but I was upset with him. And so I had to kind of separate that from how I talked with Heavenly Father. I had to kind of see my dad as doing the best that he was doing yeah. and, and separate that from who God was. I, I guess I was able to do that pretty okay. Yeah. Um, I, I just think it's so interesting how influential our relationship with our fathers are in trying to get to know Heavenly Father. Absolutely. And, and for you to have that feeling that, you know, in order to get to know God better, better, I have to maybe get to know my dad better. Absolutely. Um, I had an experience where I was praying and I wasn't feeling close to my Heavenly Father and I was praying to him, asking him, you know, how how I could be closer to him and, and, and what it was that was keeping me from that. And that was what I received was, you see me as you see your own father. And so that was like a light bulb came on for me. I knew that I, I had to change that and shift that to see God in a different way. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, and what that shows too is how much your thinking has evolved from being a little girl who saw things in black and white to being able to say, you know, I, I need to see some of the gray area. I need to pursue this. Yes. Um, were there other experiences you had with, with reading or pursuing knowledge that, that helped you sort of navigate this um, ability to pursue knowledge, to get answers to your questions? Absolutely. Um, I, I can think of a very important time when I was able to start to get out of that black and white thinking and, and deal with ambiguity and, and deal with imperfectness. Um, it was in my 30s. I was a young mother and I had, I had known that there were things about the church that I didn't know about. Um, things that my dad had researched that were maybe uh, not things we learn at church um, that are available to us outside of church, but, but I, I hadn't researched any of yeah. that. And, and I wanted to know, what is it? What is out there that my dad was researching that, that made him leave? And, and I was at a place where I was like, you know, 
I can handle ambiguity and I can, I can handle that uneasy tension um, because I had a few very spiritual experiences where it wasn't really faith anymore for me. It was a perfect knowledge. It, like Alma 32 talks about, there's times when we have faith in things, but there are times when we've gained a perfect knowledge because of the experiences that we've had. So I felt like I was in a place where I could go that direction. Yeah, yeah. So I um, picked up Richard Bushman's uh, Rough Stone Rolling and I read it. And um, as you know, it's a book about Joseph Smith and his life. And I felt this absolute joy reading about who the prophet was. I knew there were things about him I didn't know. I knew there were things that would maybe seem strange at first, but for me, I felt this elevated joy be brought on because Joseph Smith became real to me. He was a real human being like me who, who had times of depression and melancholy and, and uh, anger and vanity and pride and uh, happiness and joy and, and all the other things that we already know about him, that he was absolutely an instrument in God's hands to bring uh, the gospel forward. But um, I had heard people say that they had struggled reading the book, that it, it kind of was like, whoa, what's all this new stuff? And, and it didn't do that for me because I, was ready to hear it. I knew there were things I didn't know. And when I found him out, I'm like, is that it? Like, why, why are we not okay with this? We should be okay with this. It's all right. Well, maybe part of it had been because of your dad, that, that you were introduced to a lot of these things that are difficult earlier. Yes. And sometimes that does make it easier to accept as yes. well. Um, Absolutely. I, I'm thinking about, um, what you said about Alma 32. Yes. And, and I'm thinking about your dad. I'm just, I'm just thinking about the humanization of Joseph Smith and the humanization of your dad in such good, productive ways that as yes. you matured, you allowed them to become more human and more beautiful in their humanity. Yes. And so I'm thinking about Alma 32. I'm thinking about the last verse. Yes. And it talks about after your patience, and your long suffering, you can wait. Yes. For the fruit of the tree, which is the tree of life. Yes. For the tree to bring forth fruit. Right. To you. Mm -hmm. um, so, let me just ask you as the final question. I'm just thinking about how sweet it is that you've been able to strengthen your relationship with your dad, who has now passed on, mm -hmm. by strengthening your relationship with. Heavenly Father, mm -hmm. yes. what is the fruit of that tree like when you think of your dad? What, what's the best fruit that has come from that relationship? I feel that my dad is carrying on and he's moving forward with his testimony on the other side. And I feel him, he's been there for me, even though he's passed. Um, 
I believe that he's happy and that he's learning and growing and he is gaining a perfect knowledge now. Um, I, I don't see life now as this cutoff. Well, you didn't figure it out, so it's over. I, I, I believe that my dad was searching for truth and he was in a state of complexity and he didn't move beyond that complexity into simplicity. And I, I do believe that he's experiencing that simplicity now. And it's clear that, I would say in large part, it seems to me because of him, that you are so insightful and so accepting and compassionate and what a gift. <laughs> and the fruit of the tree of life because of the atonement it can make that a gift and it can turn everything into a gift even those hard things and yeah I, I appreciate you sharing all of those gifts and sharing him with us too thank you i i hope i did a service for him today because i know that he loved his family beyond words and i hope that i only said things about him today that help people see him um, in his struggle, but also in our struggle as a family to learn to love him in spite of differences. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Mm -hmm.